Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. Welcome to another episode of Great Points. In keeping with the theme of last episode around the new year and goal settings, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into the, anyone who's thinking about college planning in the future, whether that's a couple years out or you know, 10 or 20 or 30 years from now. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about how uh, clients start to think about goal setting, talk a little bit about the facts around colleges at this point, talk about three different options for how you can go about establishing your goals and developing your plan from there. And then finally, talk about some of the things I've observed clients that have gotten past the planning point and actually are in the paying part of college, what that may look like. So let's jump right into it. You know, personally, I am in the the midst of the beginning of the college planning process for one of my children. And I want to share a quick resource that we learned about just recently called collegedata.com. It's a great resource for exploring College costs. Uh, it's a facts-only site, so they don't give any opinions or sales pitch. It's just all the facts that they've gathered about college costs, college admittance rates, all the types of things that you want to to explore. So, uh, if you're looking for a, a site that tends to be neutral, CollegeData.com is definitely one to check out. But let's start with the facts around college planning. So if you're looking at the cost of college or you've read anything, um, you know, there's a lot of different numbers out there, but the average cost of a uh, private college in the United States is roughly about $55,000 a year. The average cost of in-state tuition on average is about $27,000 a year, and that can vary by state. Um, and then some of the more expensive private schools, um, you know, can range up to where seventy-five to eighty thousand dollars a year for the twenty twenty-two uh, admin, admission class. So when you think about those numbers, uh, they can be shocking. So over a four-year education, the sticker price can range anywhere from one hundred and twenty to three hundred thousand dollars over that 40 year period. Um, and for people that live in the Northeast or metropolitan areas where housing prices can range, you know, for 500,000, a million dollars for, a, you know, what may feel like a, a basic house, um, you know, those numbers in relativity are high, but maybe not as shocking. But if you look around the country where the average house, housing price is $300,000 and in states like Texas where it's 250,000 and states like Iowa where it's $170,000 a year, the thought of paying double the value of your home for college is, is astronomical. And you know, for a home, you get 30 years to pay it off, whereas college, you have 40 years. And that, that's if you only have one child. So if you have more than one child, you start to multiply these numbers and it can be you know, somewhat paralyzing. So some other facts you need to know about is the numbers I just quoted are the sticker price. A lot of these websites will talk about, well, that's what we charge but not every, almost everyone gets some level of aid or some level of assistance. So when they do all the math, the average net cost of tuition for that uh, private school, which in, like I said, the, the sticker price is about 55,000. The net price is about 33,000 when you factor in different aid and grants and things like that. Um, and for the same in-state tuition, the, which was $27,000, the net price is about 19,000. So if you're if you paid attention, the, the fifty-five thousand goes down to thirty-three thousand. 
the state tuition goes down from 27 to 19. So you can see the percentage of, of aid is about the same, but the actual dollars, the real dollars are significantly more. So you might get more aid or might more assistance on a higher priced college. Um, doesn't mean you should always choose the higher price, but when you're thinking about um, you know, the real dollars, sometimes uh, you wanna look at what the net cost is. Finally, if you're looking out five, 10, 15 years until college, you, know, you wanna make sure you're aware of what the inflation rate is. So some things continue to rise in cost, other things stay fixed, but um, colleges have been, on, on average have been growing at about 5% a year. So over the last 20 years, if you look back to what colleges cost 20 years ago to where they are now, uh, they've been growing by an average of about 5% a year. Um, last year was a little bit lower, you know, for a lot of different reasons, but the average cost of college only increased by 2%. Um, so if it's average five and we have a two, 2% 2 this year, there's probably gonna be a, a year when things might jump up by six, seven or 8%. So assuming you're, you're still listening and you haven't either dropped dead of a heart attack or tuned this out because you've realized these, these costs are extremely high, I'm gonna share with you kind of three ways that you can start to think about your goals. So when you set a goal, then you work backwards, develop your game plan. Um, the first one is you could pick a, a level of college that your family is going to commit to for each child in your household. So, you know, that might be a state tuition or maybe it's a private, but not the most expensive private. So if you say, hey, we're gonna commit to paying for in-state tuition, uh, that's what we're gonna save for or try to uh, plan for. Um, if they get into a private school and they choose to get into it, they're going to have to get a job, figure out financial aid, you know, but we, we, we don't have un endless resources, so we have to draw the line somewhere. So if you're looking at state colleges, you can look on uh, the, any website on your state and find out what the average cost of in-state tuition is, and they break it down by tuition with plus room and board plus additional fees. Um, so let's say that number is $27,000. You can then take $27,000 and grow that number at 5% a year for inflation to figure out what college will cost on the first day of your child's you know, uh, senior, you know, uh, their freshman year of college. And then with that number, you could work backwards to see how much you have to save on a monthly basis to be able to have enough to fund that cost. Um, so that's that's a very simple way to say, well, we know we're gonna we're gonna set our our threshold and our savings of, you know, when you work that back and let's say the, the figures come out to $600 a month, we're gonna to commit to saving $600 a month into some type of account earmarked for college, knowing that that's gonna be our, our limit. Um, and anything above and beyond that, you know, we're, they're either gonna to have to figure it out themselves or, you know, we'll have to uh, decide where we, where we are financially as we get closer to college. The second option is to pick a fixed dollar amount. <clears throat> so you might say, well, we're gonna commit $25,000 per child per year for college. Um, so it may not cover everything, but that's, that's the most we think we want to come out of pocket for or might financially be able to. Um, and for some individuals, they could afford more, but they just can't justify spending that much on, on uh, undergraduate education. Maybe they want to reserve it for graduate or, or other, other goals that they may have for their children in their lives. So same idea if you say we're going to commit $10,000 per child and maybe you're not inflating that, then you basically say, okay, well, we need to save up to $40,000 by the time they get to their freshman year of college. 
and you work back with how many months you have until that, that date comes and what rate of return you want to assume on your investments. And that can help you solve for how much you need to put away each month or each year. Um, you know, the, the challenge of using this model is colleges are constantly inflating um, and, uh, you know, schools can vary in cost a lot. So you might find that the school that they're passionate about is, uh, you know, significantly higher than what you've committed to each month uh, for, for their amount. But, you know, everyone's going to have a different approach to this. You know, that might just be your the right approach for you saying, hey, look, you know, you, you hear this a lot, too, with wedding planning. We're going to commit 10000 or 25000 to each child, that that'll be our contribution to their wedding. If they choose to blow up, you know, blow past that budget, that's fine. They're going to have to figure it out themselves. But that's all we're willing to do. <clears throat> the third option is you may say, you know what, we're we're going to pay no matter what. Uh, we may or may not have the resources, but if they get into the best schools and they they want to go, you know, we'll mortgage the house. We'll figure this out. Um, we're not going to stand in their way, um, which is once again another strategy. And you know, obviously, he's going to create maybe a little more anxiety or stress depending on what schools they get into and what resources that they've, they've had that you have available for them. Um, and in, in these situations, usually it's trying to save uh, as much as possible or just build wealth in any, any spots you can. Um, also thinking out in the future, if you're in a higher earnings potential, you might be able to afford these things out of cash flow. So a more expensive college isn't that intimidating, but it just might mean maybe a lesser vacation in that given year or other things. Yeah, so when it comes to setting goals for college, there's not a right answer or a right way for everybody. Uh, this is about picking the right path for you and more importantly for anyone who's a decision maker in this process. So, you know, while your kids are young, it's the parents or the spouses that are involved in the, in the decision making. As your kids get maybe a little bit older into high school years, you might start to include them in the, the thought process uh, as they start to go down the path of selecting colleges and getting excited about different, uh, different venues. So now we've talked a little bit about the scary numbers. We've talked a little bit about the different ways you can plan. Um, now let's talk a little bit about how people actually go about paying for these colleges. So a lot of people underestimate. So you know they, they you do the math and you say, okay, well I've got to save eight hundred and thirty-two dollars a month in order to be able to fully fund my child's college education. And what those assumptions are assuming that every dollar of tuition is going to come out of that pot that you built up, um, but. In, in reality, when you get to that, that cost or when it's time to pay that bill, you have to think, well, in 10 or 15 years, uh, I might be making a lot more than I'm currently making. Uh, we might have paid down some student loans of our own or paid down some debts. Uh, we might have a smaller mortgage. Um, in some situations, you might have family events that might happen where a parent or a grandparent you know, may pass away. and you know there's going to be a little bit of an inheritance um, that you might want to earmark for college or gifts and things like that. So all these factors come into uh, your planning process to say, okay, well, the bill is going to be $55,000 a year, which is a scary number. But right now we're putting $15,000 a year into our 401ks, um, which if we really had to, we could stop that for the period of time while we're in college and you know, direct that cash flow towards paying the bill that year. Um, so you might find that a portion or a good chunk of your college expenses come out of uh, cash flow. You know, so because I've done this with clients where they've they built some 529 plans and they've got some good balances and 
and we kind of say, okay, that should last about a year and a half based on how much you saved and how much the tuition costs. But then we get to the end of year two, and there's there's still balance in that 529. And I'm like, well, how's that possible that you were supposed to finish this account out halfway through last year? And they said, well, we didn't spend as much, so we were able to pay a little bit out of cash flow, or we chose not to take a vacation, so we had a little extra lying around, so we were able to preserve the 529 plan. So cash flow is definitely an under, underestimated aspect of it. Um, if you had kids a little later in life and their first year of college might be when you're 62, 65, you also have to be concerned or be prepared that maybe you're out of the workforce, You know whether you choose to be or there's other factors involved. So cash flow, uh, you might have to assume cash flow being a lot less than it is and how you're gonna plan for that. Um, so you, you, the second thing people do use is they use college-specific accounts like 529 plans, covered LIRAs, um, and you can Google these terms to learn more about them. And there are definitely ways to kind of have your college-only bucket. Um, and I think they're great tools if you have grandparents or aunts and uncles that maybe don't have children that say, hey, we'd love to help out. What can we do? A 529 is a great way to pool money so that they can see it grow and it's kind of earmarked for college. Um, but there's restrictions to 529. So if you're a family that is can only save $200 a month and you're not maxing out your 401k and you're not maxing out your Roth IRAs and maybe you're carrying some consumer debt, putting a couple hundred dollars a month in a 529, although it feels good and it feels like a college savings, might not be the best strategy for you because you're probably going to be in a position where maybe financial aid is going to be a factor or uh, you're not going to be able to accumulate a two hundred thousand dollars in your 529 so you're going to have to be thinking about alternative strategies to funding these goals so college specific accounts are good for some people but not right for everybody and then the last option is just to save in the parents names um, and you can do that in a lot of different ways you can do that in just a traditional savings or a brokerage investment account um, which may not be the most tax advantageous but gives you the most flexibility with those dollars and if you happen to need them before college comes or if they end up getting scholarships and they don't need those monies for college. Uh, you might choose to put money in a Roth IRA knowing that you can access some of it um, you know, prior to 59 and a half for education costs. Or if you're going to be over 59 and a half by the time your children get into college, well now you might be able to access all of that gains and principal without tax or penalties uh, to pay for college. So uh, that's another strategy. Some people may say, well, we're gonna pay down the principal of our mortgage knowing that we'll have equity in the house and we're probably maybe gonna sell the house in the next 10 years and we'll then we'll take that pot of money and put it somewhere for college or you know, plan to use the equity in the home later when it comes time to, to pay for college. Um, and then you also might just you know, increase your 401k knowing that down the road you could take a loan against your 401k if need be. Um, so, not one strategy is always right. You, know, you want to think about your current tax situation, your overall cash flow, um, you know, your, you know, what other debts you're paying and the interest rates you're paying on those, and is it is it the best thing to start saving now or maybe cleaning up the balance sheet as you kind of think about how you start to to, to put those dollars uh, to work. So, um, but if you're sitting here and you've got a, a, a child anywhere between the ages of zero to to twelve. This is definitely a great way to spend a, a day this month and just say, hey, you know what? Let's just put a number, let's put a goal out there and then let's do the exercise to work, work it backwards and say, how much will we need to save? And if that number is a number more than you can save, then you might have to adjust your goal or just be prepared mentally that when the time comes, you know, maybe we're gonna have to tighten our belt a little bit or 
get a second job or take a less vacation or have that difficult discussion with our child that says you have to narrow your search uh, in these schools because that's that's what we can afford. So um, it's a it's a difficult discussion. It's a you know it's an exciting time for a lot of families. Um, but you know, like I said, the, the more time you have, the more you know discussion you have, and open communication, the more likely you're going to find a solution that's right for you and your family. So I hope this helps. And you know, like I said, the next couple of weeks we'll continue to dive deeper into some specific goals like retirement and a few other things. Uh, you know, to kind of round out January and keep that that idea of goal setting fresh for this month. Now I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Great Points with Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.